0: Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer. I'm Kowell, and I'm Kenna. How's it going?
1: it's going. Yeah. I just cleaned my room
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I'm packing for my trip. Yeah. And it's like several days away, but mm-hmm. I just got too excited and I was cleaning my room anyway. And I was like, fuck it. Just going to start packing things I don't need until <laughs> <Yeah>. I go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love to overpack. Like when we went to New York, I yeah. totally overpacked. Oh yeah.
1: No, I was telling Dana, I was like, I would rather have too much shit than not enough. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be without something. If I have too many things, cool. I'll just put them away when I get home. I don't have to wash them.
0: I want a million clothes options because I don't know how I'm going to be feeling.
1: And I always have, like, 18 pairs of underwear for a four-day trip. Because what if you Mm. shit yourself, like, three times a day when you're there? Like, what are you going to do? God forbid. God forbid. But it happens. (laughs) But it's
0: reality. It's just (laughs) a reality.
1: (laughs) Adult life is already so goddamn weird. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Well, welcome back, everybody. If you are listening to us for the first time welcome and we are super excited to have you guys here for those of you that do not know we do a mental breakdown on mondays so it has a little bit of psychology and we kind of dive into a specific mental disorder or a event or phenomena or something like that phenomena or something like phenomena that. and then on thursdays we bring you our true crime case which is the episode that you're listening to currently yeah and i'm really excited to hear who you're doing i think this is like episode 102
0: Something like that. 103? No, it's like yeah,
1: it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big dill, like it's a pickle,
0: a, like a big dill. Yeah. Check us out on social media anywhere at diagnosing a killer, other than Twitter, which is at killer diagnosis or X. I guess we have to get used to saying that X. Yeah, Elon Musk. He's changing it from Twitter, Twitter to like X. Ugh, what yeah, what fuck? It's been Twitter I, for like 10 years. I tried to click on a Twitter page earlier, and then it took me to Twitter, totally fine, and then all of a sudden the screen went black, and it was like, okay. and I was like, whoa, and it wanted me to log in, and I was like, no, 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 we're not doing that yet. Pass. hard. Yikes, <laughs> hard pass. Yikes on bikes. Yikes on bikes. So.
1: We also do have a website, diagnosingakiller.com. There you can find links to resources and merch and... True Crime Podcast Festival discount for the tickets, which we are going to be hosts at in literally, like, three weeks. Yeah. it's just coming up so fast, but we're so excited. So excited. So excited. And we're going to be bringing y'all content right up until the fucking hat drops. Like, we're going on Thursday and we're still releasing an episode that day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then
0: we come back on Monday and we're still releasing an episode that day. Yep. So <laughs> and you, then you guys... Get, no need to fret. Yeah, and then you get your case the 29th is the next day on that Tuesday. So. Yes, for the Patreon bonus episode, those of you that do not know,
1: we have a Patreon setup that is patreon.com slash diagnosing a killer. Tiers 1, 2, and 3 all get ad-free episodes every week. Tiers 2 and 3 will get an additional bonus episode that is completely uncensored, completely unedited, this one that's coming out, I think, after this case yeah. is going to be fucking horrendous. So just warning everyone here. I can warn people on this platform. Ugh. Yeah. But just get your boots fucking strapped because it's... Well, if, if you're somewhere out of Texas, then maybe your sandals strapped or yeah. something. <laughs> but your, it's, a, your, it's a doozy. you
0: trainers. Yes. They're trainers. What are those? They're sneakers oh. in, in the UK. That's what they call them? Yeah. Instead of, like, yeah, sneakers. They're trainers. Oh, wow. I well, guess because, like
1: all of our uk listeners <laughs> just like endurance running all the time yes yeah well we call them tennis shoes as tennis well. shoes yeah. yeah
0: but that's true we don't always no play tennis with no tennis one plays on.
1: tennis with them with them on <sighs> anyway i'm excited to hear your case
0: i am for the first time really nervous to deliver a case really yeah i don't know why i just got that like ang- like anxious feeling Huh. So i'm gonna try not to talk too fast
1: do you think it's because of like the
0: it's, I'm just excited like the case to, is so well known yeah I'm just excited to deliver the content
1: okay so we discussed this before we sat down obviously I don't know who you're doing but you said that I will know it yes. but you've said that in the past and I didn't know it <laughs> like, like what you you know about Mark David <laughs> Chapman I was like
0: Who? You're like, <laughs> is John Lennon dead
1: <laughs> so I'm really anxious to see if I'm gonna actually know this person today we're gonna be talking about oh god you look really excited
0: <laughs> jody and arius oh okay obviously uh, this is the reaction i wanted <laughs> well oh, i don't yeah, really know obviously.
1: The- <laughs> well, clearly we're doing that one. i don't really know the whole story so <gasps> well then it's gonna be even more exciting oh my gosh jody arius i know you've been wanting
0: to do this one for a long time so excited not excited but just you know ready to deliver the content ready Content warning this episode describes scenes of childhood neglect, stalking, domestic violence, and ultimately brutal murder. If this episode is not for you, please feel free to check out another one of our episodes. Remember, your mental health comes first, and we love you. Hello. Love you. Bye. Hey. So, Jody Ann Arias was born on July 9th, 1980, in Salinas, California. Oh. Her parents, I know, right? Oh, like happy birthday, and oh, and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Her parents were William and Sandra Arias. When Jody was born, she already had one older half sister, and soon the family would have Jody's younger brother and then two more younger sisters hmm. C- couldn't find their names, but also you know some people remain unknown sure on purpose, yeah, on purpose, by all accounts, Jody's family life was mostly that of a typical middle class family. She got along well with her siblings pretty well and was a bright child as as one is. <laughs> Her mother would say that Jodi picked up reading at a very young age and soon began to collect books. Jodi was perceived as a highly intelligent girl with a crazy amount of book smarts. The family at some point would relocate to Wairika, California, which is kind of like super far North Carolina. Okay. Carolina California. <laughs> <laughs> Jodi did have some rebelliousness about her, and by the time she had high school, she had come to realize that she gained attention through her looks. Oh, okay. Her grades would begin to decline in school as she started treating school as kind of a social outlet rather than a place to gain an education.
1: Well, that's what we have heard in the past as well. People with, that people that are highly intelligent kind of think that school is like tedious almost. Like right. even when they get into high school. Yeah. They're like, this is like really lame. Like this isn't even challenging me and I just don't want to be here. I just know? don't even want to be here. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: just more of a social thing. Yeah. Jody also found a passion for photography while she was in high school. Huh. She would begin to fight with her parents. She would often berate her mother for never graduating from college. Oh. She would belittle her mother, insinuating that she was less intelligent, and constantly asked her mother things like, quote, don't you want something better for your life? End quote.
1: Oh my god. How about, like I would was feel like, like such shit if my daughter <laughs> said that to me. Like, <laughs> Jesus.
0: Yeah. And it's this was her mother's account, and even when her mother is remembering those things, she gets emotional. It was almost like yeah. Jodi would bully her own mother.
1: I'm like, yeah, well, I had to raise your
0: fucking punk ass. Like, <laughs> fuck you. In one instance, Jody's father spotted something in their backyard. Jody had attempted to grow weed plants in the backyard, oh. and when her father found out about this, he actually called police to have the plant removed. OMG,
1: that's hilarious. <laughs> Which is
0: kind of, like, I kind of get it. Like, you don't know what to do with it, especially if you, like, don't do that. You're like, I guess I should hand this over to police.
1: That's so funny.
0: But in doing so, you're kind of calling out your own daughter. Yeah,
1: and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> sir, who planted this?
0: Oh, I don't know. It just began to grow. Just popped up there. It must be naturally occurring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jodi began to see her parents as overbearing and nosy. Jody began to tell her friends that her parents were incredibly strict. Like, they're entirely too strict. And would sometimes garner sympathy by exaggerating how her parents treated her.
1: okay. She's getting attention from that at
0: school now. Yeah, she's like, oh, they abuse me. Oh, okay. She did claim on several occasions that her parents would hit the kids with wooden spoons or belts, but this was never corroborated by her siblings ever. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's like, they beat us.
1: It's like, well, this isn't that extreme just yet, but it reminds me of, like, people that fake illnesses or, like, mm-hmm. they fake a pregnancy, like, for attention. It's yeah. Like, that's, like, a big accusation. Yeah. To make.
0: Absolutely. Oof. Especially like when the siblings are like, we have no idea what she's talking yeah. about. Yeah. When Jody hit her junior year in Wairika High, she decided to drop out in order to pursue a career in photography, which is like, you berate your mom about not finishing college, but you're going to drop out of high school.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was just saying that, but she probably thinks she's too smart for yeah. high school. She's like, you dropped out of college and you're not that smart. I can drop out of high school and I'm still smarter than you. Still smart.
0: She moved out of her parents' house, dyed her hair bleach blonde, and settled in just south of Salinas. Um, so back down South California. Mm-hmm. So they were in Salinas, they went up to Yreka, and they came back down to Salinas. Got I it. don't think I mentioned that earlier. My bad.
1: I think you did. Did I? That, they that moved they've to moved Koi? to Wairika?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember you said Carolina? Carolina. <laughs> Say Carolina. South Carolina. <laughs> She began to work small jobs in photography, and in 2001, Jody began working as a server at a local spa called the Ventana Inn in beautiful Big Sur, California,
1: mm.
0: which I looked at the map, and it's, like, remote and just beaches. It's yeah, really nice. Yeah, oh, that's pretty. Here she met food servicing manager Daryl Brewer. Darryl was a divorced father of a young son, and he worked at the spa several years before Jody was hired there. The two worked well together, Daryl saying that Jody was a model employee, and after about a year of working together, the two would start a romance in 2003, after oh no. Daryl stepped down from management. So they became equals, and they started dating.
1: What's the next line? The two would... No. <laughs> I thought you were serious.
0: Daryl would introduce Jody to his son, and the two seemed to get along really well, Jody and the son. Daryl would move to Monterey, California to be closer to Daryl's son and his ex wife, whom he shared custody of his son with. This also happened to be much closer to where Jody was living at the time. The two would often see each other several times a week, being Daryl and Jody, and their relationship seemed to be progressing nicely. Confident in this, the two decided to move in together in about 2004 2005. They moved into a gorgeous three bedroom home in Palm Desert, which was even closer to Daryl's child. Reportedly, the couple were spending $2,800 each in mortgage payments.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: That's a very expensive place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this didn't include the bills, which were also split between the two.
1: That would be, like, expensive now. That's a lot. When was this again? This is 2005,
0: 2000. Okay, but yeah, still, that not, would still
1: be expensive now.
0: I don't think there's much of an exchange rate. <laughs> or, a, I'm sorry, a, what do you call you call it? Rate? a conversion rate. yeah, no, Probably not. Daryl said about Jody during this time that he had, had never sensed any jealousy from Jody whatsoever towards his ex or his child and in fact she was a great maternal figure for her son and that they got along very well that she was a li- a very kind and loving person in February of 2006, Jody began working another job with prepaid legal services while still working as a server at the spa. She was very successful in this new position. And quickly became passionate about network marketing, also known as multi level marketing. Oh. They call it network
1: marketing now. Cute. And so that's you make sure it. that you don't know like, <laughs> yeah. what you're getting Just into. So you
0: forget about it. Yeah. Jody and Daryl's relationship began to deteriorate, and the couple started having issues within the relationship. Jody and Daryl, who have had a thriving sex life up until this point, seem to be distancing themselves from one another, hmm. mostly Jody pulling away from Daryl. Okay. Daryl also noticed that Jody wasn't keeping up her half of the bills, although she was still maintaining her part of the mortgage. Hmm. Daryl had thought the relationship was headed towards marriage, but at this rate, things weren't looking so hot. Yeah. In September of 2006, Jodi would head to Las Vegas to attend a prepaid legal service convention, which she was very excited to attend. Here she met the man that would change the course of her life oh forever. You're
1: so funny. You always say that a <laughs> lot. <love saying> that.
0: <laughs> Travis Victor Alexander was born on July 28th, 1977, to parents Gary David and Pamela Elizabeth Alexander in Riverside, California.
1: Oh my god, LOL, actually happy birthday? Because his birthday will be a day after this case comes out.
0: Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. Happy birthday, Travis. Is he a good guy? So he was the second youngest (laughs) of a blended family containing seven kiddos, Tanisha, Samantha, Hillary... Gary Jr., Greg, then Travis, and then Stephen's the youngest. The fact that you
1: have all of his siblings' names is kind of concerning.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like his siblings were good people. Oh, okay. Both of Travis's parents did struggle with substance use, unfortunately. This meant that the house was sometimes a chaotic one. Often the children were abused and neglected. The family struggled financially, and Travis was often picked on at school for being poor or not having nice clothes, And would actually engage in fights regularly with neighborhood bullies. Breaks my heart. Travis wrote about this experience in a blog that he had maintained as an adult. "Quote: Four days with a house full of kids. There isn't any food cooked. We would eat what was there, but before long, what was edible would be eaten or rot, and what was rotten would be eaten too." End quote. His brother Stephen also said that the main source of nutrition in the house most often was usually ramen noodles.
1: And that's, like, arguably one of, like, the worst things you can eat, like, for nutrition. Yeah. There's so much sodium.
0: There's no value in it. Yeah. When Travis was 10, he ran away to live with his grandmother, Mm -hmm. to which his mother apparently had not a big problem with because eventually, in 1997, his siblings would also move into the grandmother's home after the unfortunate passing of Travis's father. Mm -hmm. Travis was 20, and his father had passed away um, in a motorcycle accident. After living with his grandmother, Travis began to attend church with her and eventually converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or LDS, or Mormonism, all in the same kind of, well, I don't want to say it's under the same bracket, but, yeah, he he converted to LDS. Travis thought at first that he would try his hand at comedy for a career, because he never really wanted to go to college. college. College wasn't his thing. But eventually, Travis realized that he did have a passion for public speaking, mm. and that he could use this as a tool to motivate others. Bro,
1: having a passion for public speaking is wild.
0: <laughs> Don't even know what
1: that's like. like. what? I
0: have the balls on this
1: guy, seriously. <laughs> we speak all the time. I in know. In private. I know. Like, the fucking festival is going to be a big, like, challenge for us to talk to. Well, no, not really, because we're not, like, it's putting like it in front of a speech. It's not going to gonna be a to panel. People.
0: Yeah. But still, like, public speaking is not my forte. Right. Travis began speaking as a motivational salesman for prepaid legal. Same company that Jody was working for. Mm-hmm. Sometime in the early 2000s. He quickly found that a young and attractive man who had such a great way of looking at life and business could garner some attention, especially from women. Mm-hmm. Travis tried to remain steadfast in his newfound beliefs, but sometimes he found this to be difficult. And Travis struggled with these two sides of himself. Okay. Nonetheless... Travis was successful in his position, even enough to buy a three-bedroom house in 2006, Hmm. in which he was able to rent out two rooms to his two roommates, one of which was a man by the name of Zach Billings, and he was a good friend of Travis's. Things were going pretty well for Travis, and in September 2006, Travis would attend a conference in Las Vegas where he would give a motivational speech that Jody Arias just couldn't help but take notice of. Okay. After the speech, Jody, Travis, and a group of co-workers went out to eat dinner at, and I found out, at a rain, rainforest cafe, which oh. I had to put that on there because that's hilarious.
1: That is hilarious. Rainforest, rainforest cafe, RIP. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, throwback. Is there no more rainforest cafes anymore? I don't
0: think so. Email us. Let us know. I thought there was one at Katie Mall. Up I don't by know. up by Houston. There might
1: be. But R.I.P. to where we live in Rainforest Cafes.
0: Because we had one downtown for a little yeah. bit, right? I think there's still the one on the Vegas Strip, too. I think that's actually when we went to mm, Vegas, we went one? by the Rainforest Cafe. It's probably the same one. Either way, let us know. It's on the strip. There was an immediate attraction between the two and they would exchange information. Travis and Jody made plans to meet up in the future. He was single at this point, correct? Yes. And at first Travis thought that they may be able to like he may be able to testify to Jody about his faith, and then help her. Okay. Because that's kind of what he did, right? He, yeah. Yeah. And he was again very much in, into the Mormon faith. One week after they exchanged information, Jody and Travis would meet up in his town of Mesa, Arizona, which is about a cool ten-hour drive from Jody at this time. Oh, awesome! The two would spend hours together and end up engaging in sex. And Jody would make the drive all the way back to the Monterey area. Just a hop, skip, and a jump. Remember Daryl? They're still living together. Yeah. Mm. And he's beginning to notice a change in Jody.
1: I wonder why.
0: She began talking about how she wished to become Mormon and that she realized that she's living a life of sin and that in this already almost sexless relationship, it would now become a celibate one, as she wanted to save herself from marriage
1: but you just had sex with Travis. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh,
0: Okay. <laughs> yes. Hmm. <laughs> Jody and Travis would talk every day. Constant calls, emails, and meetups, often to engage in sex or other sexual activities, just for Jody just to head back to her life with Daryl. That's super Mormon of them. It's super Mormon. In November, just two months after meeting Travis, Jody decided to get baptized in an L S D church. LSD.
1: <laughs> LSD oh. L S D church. <laughs> oh really no. change the religions up in here.
0: <laughs> she tripping. An LDS church. Miscusi. <laughs> LSD. Shit. It was one of those dudist church. She's like, churches. What's in the water? What's <laughs> in the water? acid? <laughs> what's in the water? Am I in water right now? Yeah. It was said by Jodi, um, she later admitted that this was an attempt to get closer to Travis. Well, At the uh, time, yeah, she obviously. was like, you know, whatever. So by December of 2006, again, a month later, Jody decided to end her relationship with Daryl entirely and move out on her own. Okay. Very quick, right? So she met Travis in September. This yeah. This is already December, which I don't even think that Travis knew she was living with anybody. Well, of course not. <laughs> Probably not. Come February of 2007, Jody and Travis would officially become a couple. Oh. Jody was known by Travis's friends to be a pretty intense person. Oftentimes she seemed ina- on- inauthentic and um, they weren't really quite enthused that Travis was dating somebody who seemed to be like obsessed with him. Yeah, There was just something about her that really rubbed them the wrong way. And one friend even said, quote, she just had to sit right by him. She didn't appreciate it when he was talking to another female. She didn't like the fact that there was anyone that didn't know that they were together. She wanted to make that very clear. I
1: cannot stand people that do that. Like, I have gotten more compliments on the fact that me and Casey can be in the same room together and not even, like, speak for, like, an hour because we're mingling with other people than anything else in our relationship. Like goals. We will go out together. We will go to the bar. And if we're with our friends, like, we will just hang out And if I go up to the bar to get a drink and some random guy starts talking to me, Casey just sits back there and he's like, she can handle herself. She can
0: handle herself. And And when she can't, she'll let me know. And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And like, there was even one moment where it was like a new couple friend of ours. They had even asked Casey like, oh, look, like there's this guy talking to the, like, kind of at the bar yeah do you want to maybe go over there and he was like nope she's she's a big girl like she yeah. got it you know if she needs anything she'll let me know I love that and that's so great like you have like I think that's something that is really the foundation of our relationship is that we can be in the same room and not have to be <laughs> clung All on to each other, each other the whole time you know yeah, yeah exactly
0: I yeah. don't get me wrong I like enjoy that part but yeah of course at the same time you know that totally handle handle your shit in a room and not feel like you have to just have your hand on somebody's back pocket.
1: And honestly, I feel like it's a little disrespectful to be, yeah. like, just right on top of your partner in front of, like, company. Seems like, we're friends as well. Yeah. We're not just a couple hanging out with some random people. You right. You we're by ourselves.
0: Another friend, Taylor Cyril, would say, quote, "...when I first met Jody, we were at his house, meaning Travis's house, on a Sunday evening. There were people over from church, and we were all making cookies. She presented herself to me as his woman." And welcomed me into her house. Oh, hell no. As someone, as someone who has been very close with him, she was already trying to make claims on my buddy and I didn't even know her. It really rubbed me the wrong way. There was always small nuances like that. I was just very put off by how she was, end quote.
1: She's like, hi, I'm the missus, welcome to my home. And girl's
0: like, yeah, I've known him for like 15 fucking years. She's wearing an apron and she's pulling out like already made cookies from the oven. Yeah, (laughs) what the hell? The oven's not even on. (laughs) Jodi even began to eavesdrop on conversations Travis would have on the phone. She would position herself to listen in on his conversations no matter what they might pertain she was even caught several times by his friends doing this, standing outside of the bathroom when he was in there.
1: Oh my gosh. Like,
0: he would go to the bathroom and she would stand outside to see if he was making a phone call inside So the
1: possessive.
0: Right? Ugh. That's scary.
1: That is scary. It's like, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Yeah, absolutely. You can't say anything.
0: She would even also eavesdrop on his friends' conversations just to ensure that they weren't talking negatively about her. And what if they were? Well, she would probably be like, you can't hang out with them anymore. That's so annoying. Ugh. Don't be that girl. Don't be that person. Don't, it doesn't have to be a girl. Julia, don't, don't be that, be that person. person. <laughs> You're right. She was exhibiting stalker-ish behavior, and everyone seemed to notice, and the only person that didn't seem to notice was Jody. Oh, I was like, Travis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another friend once told Travis, quote, Travis, I'm afraid we're going to find you chopped up in our freezer, end quote.
1: That's a really, really big act. <laughs> <laughs> to me i'm sure it's like said as a joke but also he's like ha you're gonna get murdered lol oh god you don't know this story oh, okay
0: I don't. I don't i told you you're always like you I'm, definitely know this story either, then i'm like don't, no don't maybe you know what i want at least one listener to say i haven't heard this story that's me no. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> i you, volunteer you're the one that's gonna write the email yep I'll, I'll email Oh, thanks ourselves. so much for bringing this case. I've never heard it before. I've never heard it. Loved it. <laughs> Travis had defended Jodi and their relationship at, up until this point, even telling some friends that Jody was to be his future wife. So kind of back up, y'all. Yeah. Travis said about Jody in an email, quote, I went from intrigued by her to interested in her to caring about her deeply to realizing how lucky I would be to have her as my partner in my life forever. She is amazing. It's not hard to see that whoever scores Jody, whether it be me or someone else, is going to win the wife lotto. End quote. So he really did love her. Or apparently.
1: It's another thing, like, as well, like, you can't really see how poorly you're being treated or how controlling manipulative whatever your partner's being because you're so close to it yeah and once you take a step back you realize like i don't have that personal experience with relationships like boyfriend but i do have that personal experience with friends yeah i was way too close to the situation i distanced myself from that person and then i was able to realize how manipulative they actually were and are yeah And he just probably doesn't know you know
0: because he's so close to it you're right. I, I totally agree with that. Definitely have been in that situation myself.
1: And I feel like that's how a lot of relationships like this go. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people are so quick to say, you know, oh, if I was in a, God forbid, domestic violence situation in a relationship, I would leave. I would like, leave. I don't know how someone stays there. And it's like, you don't know because you don't realize that yeah. it's actually as bad as it is because you're so close to it. Absolutely. I, I did like, that for
0: many, many years. Yeah,
1: <laughs> All those relationships, I feel like, can be related
0: in yeah. that sense. So by June of that same year, 2007, Jody's behavior had become bizarre and erratic. Jody would snoop through Travis's things just to break into Travis's email account and social media account, which I think at this time was, well, I think it was Facebook.
1: Well, the iPhone came out in 2007, so they already got
0: well, smartphones go. and shit. It's true. <laughs> I feel like this is like 1984. <laughs> So after finding his passwords, any correspondences that she found between Travis and another woman was met with an email from Jody warning them to stay away from Travis, even if they oh were friends, God. church members, somebody from work. You better stay away from you my stay man. Stay away from my man. I'm gonna oh. pee all over him. I
1: can't stand that. Like you I've only seen like screenshots of shit like that. But yeah. Like someone's like, "Hey, do you have that math homework? Like from this past weekend? Like I was out, or this past week? Like I was out, and it's like." This is my boyfriend. Don't text him. He's like, okay, cool. So, do you have the math homework? Like,
0: <laughs> I just need the fucking notes. I just need the notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, she's twenty-seven at this point. Just to give you a, a you know, so a, a total understanding and acting like a fourteen-year-old, like a jealous sixteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Travis wasn't able to ignore Jody's increasingly disturbing behavior any longer, and he decided to end the relationship. Although the two would keep in contact, mm. Travis was also struggling with remaining true to his Mormon faith. And the guilt was getting to him about engaging in premarital sex, especially since it seemed like his friends and his family had no idea that him and Jody were intimate. Oh. Ironically, Jody was essentially crossing herself off his potential wife list, which is the, the opposite of what she was trying to accomplish. Yeah. And this is by her continuing to, to participate and sometimes force Travis into engage in sexual activity. Oh, shit. You know, if you think about it that way, like, he's like, I want to be this good Mormon person. She converted to Mormonism. But at the same time, it's like, I want to be with her, but I can't be with her because we engage in sex and that's not part of my religion. Yeah, and she's she's, not
1: practicing the religion like he is. No,
0: exactly. And like, or the way that he wants to. Yeah. And so it's just ironic that her forcing him or maybe force isn't, like, coercing him into participating in this because she thinks it makes her desirable is actually the turnoff, the one thing, like, he can't Mm -hmm. get over.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: So again, Travis has decided to break up with Jody, and surprisingly, Jody's response to this breakup is probably not one you'd expect. Jodi decided to pack up and move to Mesa, Arizona, apparently about a mile down the street from Travis. She moved from California to Arizona after they broke up to get, to oh maybe i'll just like run into him at the grocery store
1: or i'll just run <laughs> into him you know on his street and he'll bank. be like oh my gosh i just f- totally oh miss God. you i totally forgot how much i loved you that's probably her fucking plan she's like
0: if we're like within a mile of each other living there we've got to run into each other at some point it wouldn't take long for the relationship to become sexual again <sighs> sometimes jody would just show up unannounced or even on several occasions. Travis would wake up in the middle of the night to Jody in his bed, performing oral sex on him while he slept. How was she getting inside? She knew the code to the garage. And he was just, like, cool? No. This is after she had made entrance through the garage door using a code, and at least one occasion after using a doggy door to access the house. I'm not even kidding.
1: She's like, he won't be mad at me if I suck his dick. Like, yeah. I'll just go in and I'll just give him head, and it, he'll wake up and he'll be like, "Ooh, okay, you can stay." That's also, fucking nuts. Like, that's creepy. Rape. It's rape. <laughs> it it's is. absolutely it's fucking not rape. Absolutely fucking rape. Ugh. And it's like also B and E.
0: Maybe not yeah. B, but E. <laughs> Definitely an E. You're e <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Fucked up. Like, ew. So this obviously made Travis's friends and roommates even more uncomfortable, as they often saw Jody coming and going in the middle of the night, and became suspicious of her intentions with Travis.
1: Bro, I would like board up that doggy door, be like, "Sorry, dude, you gotta go outside. Like, just let me know if you gotta pee." She's going through the doggy door, like, "Bark, bark,
0: bark!" Oh my god, Ugh. that is change the terrifying. fucking garage
1: code. You board up the doggy door.
0: Waking up in the middle of the night to somebody in your bed. I don't care who the fuck assaulting it is, assaulting you, assaulting you. Like, I don't care who the fuck it is the fucking golden state shit. Ugh. Travis would sometimes protest this, but mostly would give in to temptation whenever Jody would show oh up. Oh my gosh. Again, they aren't together, so eventually Travis found interest in another woman named Lisa. Mm. When Jody found out that Travis was seeing this woman, she waited for Travis and Lisa to show up to his place, and in an effort to scare her off, Jody began to bang on the doors and windows. Like, that's so childish. That's, that's so childish. Boogity boogity
1: boo. I'm pretty sure Lisa's like, hey, are you expecting company? And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, that's weird.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> what is Travis going to say? Oh, that's just my stock ex-girlfriend. Yeah, for real. Like, that would totally turn somebody off. It's true. On two occasions, Travis's tires were slashed while he was dating Lisa. Although this was never confirmed to be the work of Jody. But it was. But it was.
1: But it was. But it was.
0: After months of this, and now April of 2008, Travis was able to convince Jody that it would be best for her to take some rest back in Wairica, California. Yeah, go home, bitch. Uh, Again, very Northern California to stay with her grandmother. This was almost a year since the breakup, so all that stuff had happened. Oh my god. Yeah, because that would have been April, and then it was, what did I say? June? is when they broke up. So an entire year of this shit, I bet his right? roommates
1: are like, bro, like, this isn't my fucking problem. This is your <laughs> yeah. lady. Like, figure it out. Right? Ah, to get a restraining order. And it's not his fault either, you know what I mean? It's definitely her, but if I was the roommates, I'd be like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> like, this is yeah. getting fucking out of
0: hand. Jody agreed to this, and Travis was elated. He told his friends and family he was excited to really focus on work, church, and ultimately be able to date the right kind of girls, and hopefully find his future wife. Oh, that's sweet. This did not stop Travis from corresponding with Jody, however, <sighs> and the two would regularly share nude photos of each other and have phone sex.
1: Okay, you can't be like, leave me alone and then go for it again. Like, or just, you, this is clear, this girl is clearly not a side chick, right? Like, yeah. she's not cool with being a side <laughs> She's not cool with being a side Stop making her the side stop bitch. Stop making she's her not, the side bitch. She's, she's not cool clearly not cool with it. Like, yeah, you're not going to get... That best of both worlds almost thing. Shopping for your pet has never been easier. From crates and carriers to collars and leashes, Dog.com is your one-stop shop for all of your dog's supply needs. Dog.com not only offers a varied assortment of products and accessories for your pet, but they also sponsor a donations program to help pets in need. With Dog.com, you will easily find everything you need for your furry best friend. Click the link in the show notes below for up to 30% off your first online order.
0: By the following months, texts exchanged between the two got heated, but not in a fun way. Oh, God. The two were arguing over the state of their relationship when Travis exploded on Jody, saying that she ruined his life and that she was a sociopath. He was totally done with her and even after this Jody claimed that the house that she was living in her grandmother's house at the time was burglarized and perpetrators took a 25 caliber gun from the house but this was still not enough to garner any attention from Travis Travis was like done
1: he's like yeah I'm done but I'll hit you up in like 3 or 4 days yeah. for sex
0: well <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: I mean, that's what it sounds like at the beginning. Well, though. yeah,
0: for sure. But Just she was like, you know, talk to me like, oh my gosh, like, the house is burglarized. Like, you yeah, know, making like, Catfishing. Began. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. So again, Travis has, at this point, look, been looking forward to dating again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Travis met a woman by the name of Mimi, and Mimi and Travis had been on a date or two prior, but Mimi didn't really have a lot of interest in seriously dating Travis, especially after learning that he had a stalker. Yeah. This time around, however, Travis dis- had decided to invite Mimi on a trip to Cancun, Mexico. Maybe the two would have an opportunity for them to get to know each other without all the complications of the past. There's no way Jody can find us there. <laughs> just, just saying. I'm
1: just saying.
0: Travis also invited a couple friends of his, and this is Chris and Sky Hughes. So another couple. Chris and Skye would leave for a few days be- a few days before Travis and Mimi would arrive, and then the four of them had plans to meet up on June 10th of 2008. This is, like, fun. Right?
1: Just, like, a couple's thing? i like love a good for-
0: couple's weekend. Right? I want a that's couple's so weekend. Nice. Or
1: a couple's night or something.
0: I don't want a couple's dinner. I feel like that's too intimate. It would have to be, like, a that's- couple's vacation. Couple's dinner's, like, the best. Really? Think I so? think so. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of awkward if you're just talking across. Well,
1: I guess it would have to be, like, three couples. I feel like that's better than two couples, Oh, that's two, yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. No, otherwise it would be, like, a double date, like a double date dinner. I feel like that's a little...
1: Double date dinner is kind of weird. That's a little weird. Triple D, a little weird. Triple D, a little weird. Don't do it. (laughs) Triple
0: D. (laughs)
1: Double date dinner. Oh, double date dinner, yeah, don't do it.
0: (laughs) So, again, on the night of the 4th, Mimi was texting Travis, kind of talking about flight plans, what to pack, what kind of things they were going to do but there would ultimately be no response from Travis. Sky and Chris, leading up to the trip, tried calling Travis after hearing that Mimi was having trouble getting a hold of him. Chris left a voicemail that week saying about this quote, "I said, T-dog, you better be dead, bro. Yeah, like I was joking, but call me back, you know, like where why are you dissing me? Why aren't you calling me back?" And I said to Sky, "Something's wrong." End quote.
1: You better be dead, bro complete side note really quick i was with a old coworker of mine a long time ago i was probably like 19 or 20 and we went to a house party and we both drove home separately and she didn't show up to work the next morning we were supposed to go to work and i literally texted her something like that i was like are you alive because like where are you like you're not at work yeah and then i found out like an hour later that she was in the hospital because her and her boyfriend <gasps> got in a car wreck the night before she was fine oh my gosh, but it scared so the scary. shit out of me i was like oh my god like i texted her like are you alive and she might like not be like imagine that fucking feeling like it was so scary
0: and at this point chris and sky are in cancun yeah waiting so like, for i can't him. even fucking do anything can't do anything oh my god by june 9th mimi had had enough with travis s- supposedly ignoring or ghosting her yeah. essentially so she especially because they were supposed to leave from mexico the next day on the 10th, Yeah, she went to travis's house and began banging on the front door with no reply she became not upset but more worried at this point oh she called her roommate or a best friend, I couldn't really, at some accounts said it was a friend, some accounts said it was a roommate, mm-hmm. and her boyfriend, to come over to Travis's house in order for the three of them to investigate.
1: I would do the same thing, I would not want to go in alone. I wouldn't
0: want to go in alone. Eventually, Mimi would gain access to the house through the garage after contacting one of Travis's friends who gave her the code, and they were immediately greeted with the smell of death upon entering the home.
1: Where are his roommates?
0: Walking through the house, they heard loud music coming from one of the bedrooms. Mimi knocks on the door, and one of Travis's roommates, Zach Billings, opens the door to find three strangers in his house. Shut up. Zach's girlfriend was also over, and once Mimi asked where Travis was, Zach was r- responded with, well, he's in Mexico. Mimi, f- Mimi further explained that Travis hadn't been heard of since the 4th, and that, in fact, she's the one that he's going to Mexico with. But I can't get a hold of him, right? Oh my God! Zach produces a spare key for Travis's room once discovering that it was locked. When Zach opens the door, he's met by a horrific scene: blood covered the walls of the hallway that was leading into Travis's bedroom. They travel down the hallway as a group and they enter the bedroom, eventually the master bathroom, where slumped down in the shower was the body of Tra- Travis Alexander.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: He had been stabbed twenty seven to twenty nine times, shot in the head with a twenty five caliber, oh. and his throat had been slit.
1: Oh my god, that's so brutal. Brutal. And complete fucking overkill.
0: Complete overkill, absolutely.
1: And I'm sorry, twenty five caliber? That's really weird.
0: That Very she convenient. Has, like, text message proof that she said something else Her house stolen. was robbed, and the twenty five caliber was missing.
1: That was her alibi.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. They were like, oh, you know, well, I don't want to say she yet, but...
1: Well, her name is the, the name of the episode, so I'm
0: assuming <laughs> it's her. <laughs> With the setup, right, is that she's like, oh, well, if someone took... This gun and it matches the gun that kills Travis. They I have to have it. an alibi as far as like why that would happen. Yep. Oh, because the gun was stolen. Mm-hmm. Just so happened to be used to kill my ex boyfriend that lives in Mesa when I live in Wairika.
1: And he's claimed to multiple people, probably via text messages. She's a fucking stalker.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Immediately, everyone exits the house and Zach calls nine one one to report that he's found his roommate deceased. Oh my god. Police arrive on scene, and when asked how Zach didn't know there was a dead man in his house for five days... Yeah, I was just thinking that. Zach said he attributed the smell to just bachelors being bachelors. Sometimes dishes go un unmade, trash piles up, and each roommate usually keeps to themselves in their own room. Plus, this is a pretty big house. Yeah. And, um, not that he couldn't smell it, but... The way that the bedrooms look like they were set up is like almost behind a door. There was a long hallway that would get to a bedroom. It's Got very, it. it's almost like an apartment mm-hmm. living type situation, but in a house. So it made sense. Not totally unheard of, right? Yeah, like, boys. And will if be I was boys. the
1: girlfriend, I'd be like, "Bro, yeah, there's I was something here dead
0: underneath your... for like five days." Well, I mean, there was that time that they, I smelled something fucking dead outside and it went away within like two days but it's like you know after a day it's like holy crap yeah but you just assume it's like a dead animal or something yeah exactly right?
1: like in the attic or something
0: Ugh, ugh. that's just awful that he was left there for five days no, that's that so is horrific fucking awful police begin to process the scene noting that long brown hairs are found on the floor covered in blood oh my god how convenient a bloody palm print was on the wall of the hallway and a digital camera was in the washing machine. The washing machine? Having been washed. Mm-hmm.
1: That's the best way you could think of to dispose of that?
0: Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they had tried to look at it. Of course, it wouldn't work. Yeah. But yeah. When they did eventually look at the Sims card, it everything had been deleted. Hmm. So it took some forensic... What do they call that? Like forensic computing, you mm-hmm. know? When asking the witnesses who found Travis, they had... They asked them if they had any idea of who would want to hurt Travis, and it didn't take long for someone to pipe up and say the name Jody Arias. Everybody
1: immediately was like, it's like "Jody, it's her. It's Jody. It's Jody." Yeah, the roommate's like, "Yeah, I was the one that literally said like, I'm afraid you're going to get chopped up into a million fucking pieces." <laughs> right, yeah, it's yeah. her.
0: It was another friend, but still. I know, I'm just saying like <laughs> it's pretty fucking obvious it was her. It was obvious. Within hours of finding Travis's body, Jody actually called the Mesa Police Department to ask about the case. Shut up. Hours. She's like, Hey, so did you find him? Hey, so did you find him? What kind of evidence do you have?
1: Well, she waited Different five evidence. whole days.
0: She waited five whole days. She this is this is the chick that is so nutso about him mm-hmm. that she can't stand to not not talk to him. Yeah. But she goes five days. Come She's on. definitely extremely mentally ill. She had heard from a friend that Travis had passed away. And this is where Jody began to journal. Quote, Tuesday, 1250 AM-ish, June 10th, 2008. Dan Freeman just called. I was excited to hear from him. I immediately began to say how I might be making a trip out there soon, and he softly responded with, yes, I think you're going to have to make a trip out here soon. Then he told me it was about Travis, but he couldn't really tell me anything, He just said something was wrong. I don't know what's going on, and I need some answers. I'm praying that there's been some kind of a mistake. I tried calling his phone. Nothing. For the first time ever, I've called. His voicemail box is full. For some reason, Disneyland keeps flashing in my mind. At night. Maybe because that's the last time we were there. I called Brent's number over and over. Nothing. I'm going crazy, and I feel so helpless being all the way here in California." End quote. (laughs) Okay. She's creating herself a little baby alibi right now. (laughs) it's
1: like an entire fucking narrative of an alibi. It's like, here's the time-ish. Then it's like, in California.
0: I'm here right now. I'm here right now in California. So,
1: I'm sorry, if I just found out that the person that I love and admire was even hurt- I wouldn't take the time to fucking journal about it. Yeah. I would be heading there to find out what happened. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and write down
0: all my fucking thoughts. Got to make myself look innocent. Yeah. Got to put my fucking alibi out there to make sure. Another entry. Quote, Tuesday, 3 a.m., June 10th, 2008. This is horrendous. The most awful thing I've ever had to deal with. And I am in total shock right now. It hasn't fully hit me. This can't really be real. It just can't be happening. I spoke with Bishop Layton... He confirmed that Travis is dead. What happened? Travis, what is this? End quote. Ew.
1: Ew. I'm sorry, what happened? I'm pretty sure you can answer that You yourself. can probably answer that. Thanks. Mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. Quote, Wednesday, 6-11-08. I've been numb mostly, but last night it was extremely hard. I broke down as I finally brought myself around to go to bed. It was 2.30 a.m., I wanted so badly to call Travis but knowing he couldn't answer was too much to bear and I know he wasn't calling me anytime soon. It's just killing me. I broke down as I climbed into bed and I cried and cried and cried and cried until I fell asleep." End quote.
1: No you didn't because your last journal entry said 3 a.m. and you said was, you just said that you went to bed This is the at next t- day. She but she said the previous night she went to bed at 2:30 a.m. But the last journal entry said three a.m. on the previous night.
0: Well, that was Tuesday at midnight, so this would have been Monday technically. All Do you right. know what I am saying? Well,
1: I just don't believe her anyway. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, she's a liar. So she's a liar. <laughs> That's okay. I am sorry, and also the
1: line about like, I don't think he's gonna be calling me anytime soon. Like, I don't think yeah, he's be me anytime because soon. you fucking killed him, so he's not gonna call you ever. <laughs> he's dead.
0: <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> That's awful. Quote, Travis, I have so much to thank you for. I'm grateful that I seized the opportunity to do so on so many occasions, being aware that you were a words of affirmation kind of guy. Thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you for opening your home to me and more times than I could count. My refrigerator is your refrigerator. Thank you for all of the times you called me up in the early evening and told me to go outside and look at the sunset. Travis, this can't really be real. I know you hated that kind of thinking. After we broke up, I stopped wearing the CTR ring you gave me, but it's back on my finger now. I didn't have the slightest clue that when we met at the Rainforest Cafe that you'd have such a lasting and profound impact on my life. It seems fitting that we should meet at the Rainforest Cafe, being the environmentally forward people that we are. You care so much about this planet, always encouraging us to take care of it reminding us it's the role in God's eternal plan. Thank you for believing in my skills as a photographer and as an artist, end quote.
1: So two things. Mm -hmm. One, again, I repeat, she's very clearly mentally ill because she's writing to somebody that she knows she murdered. Mm -hmm. And this is, I feel like this goes beyond an alibi. Like, this is now, like, delusion.
0: It's, Yeah, it's creating this narrative still. Yeah, exactly. I think that it was very much, if I can't have Travis, no one can. No one can. And this is her still talking to Travis. Yeah. She still owns him. Exactly. And number two, what's a, what did you say, a CTR ring? A CTR ring. So it's, I looked it up, and it's a ring that, uh, it's... It stands for Choose the Right, okay. and it's um, an LDS thing. Okay. So it's essentially, she's saying, when we broke up, I took it off. Yeah. Because, like, I don't want to... She was clearly only affiliated with the religion because of him. Yeah. And then she's like, and I wear it all the time now, now that I know... And it's been two days, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Three days. All the time, yeah. Now I wear it, day. yeah. Now I'll never take it off.
1: Yeah. Dang, no, it's it's very clearly a delusion. Like, she's she's going through it. She's going through it, because, going through it yeah. like, that was a... Complete overkill, complete like rage killing in my opinion, and she's over here like Oh my god, I'm gonna miss you forever. My refrigerator's your refrigerator, if you're a a bird.
0: Environmentally like we care about the planet. And she's talking to him like he's still present. Yeah. When pulled in for questioning, Jody claimed that it would have been impossible for her to be in Mesa, California, as she was actually at a guy's house who lived in Utah at the time of the murder. Where's the guy? Ryan Burns was interviewed by police, who stated that, yes, Jodi had come to see him in Salt Lake City, Utah, but on the 5th, a day after she was supposed to arrive. Yikes. Worried when Jody didn't show up on the 4th, Ryan had tried to call Jody several times, but with each time, her phone went straight to voicemail. When she arrived, she claimed that her phone had been dead the whole time. Ryan also noticed that Jodi had cuts all over her hands. Oh. Furthermore, Jody was now brunette instead of blonde god like she had been blonde this whole time can you be more fucking obvious i think she dyed her hair because if she were to sneak in and a roommate were to see her it couldn't possibly be jody that came into his bedroom that night you know what i mean
1: that's a good point i was thinking that she dyed her hair after the fact no because she she was like okay i can get away now or whatever so again
0: this is all happening on the fourth so the fourth was the day of the crime jody was supposed to she had made plans with ryan saying i'm gonna come see you on the fourth yeah didn't hear from her until the next day or early the next day yeah so yes she ended up staying the night and the two engaged in sex several times before heading back to Wairika. can you believe uh, can you imagine how gross that guy probably feels
1: he's like i literally had sex with her like less than 12 hours after she killed someone and i didn't even know yeah and she was like oh i'm just gonna pretend like everything's great and normal and i didn't just murder my fucking boy Mm -hmm. ex-boyfriend i'll just have sex with you Clearly, That's, she loved Travis so much. She right? loved Travis so much. She clearly loved him so much. Yeah,
0: she's like a black widow. I guarantee, if Ryan and her remained as a couple, he might have been another victim. Yeah. So she again stayed the night, and then she went back to Wairika the next morning. Phone records indicated that Jody called Travis's phone several times on her way back f- to Wyreka from Salt Lake, leaving voicemails and even at some points. Ec- uh, accessing his, his voicemail to listen to her and other messages left on Travis's phone. People that were desperately looking for Travis.
1: Like she was trying to see like
0: who was calling,
1: like who was aware that he was missing or not answering. Mm -hmm. And she was probably trying to make sure that her voicemail sounded genuine.
0: Yes. She probably listened back, deleted it, and then whatever. But her, yeah, her phone records indicated that she accessed his voicemails. That's so icky. (laughs) During all of this investigative time, labs were processing the blood stains, palm prints, and camera recovered from the scene. The blood was a mixture of Arius and Travis's, the palm print belonged to Arius, and the camera held the most damning evidence of all. I thought they were deleted. They were deleted, but they went through like that, like I told you, the uh, forensic computing stuff. Or anal, whatever, forensic technology. Something like that. Something like that. You know. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Nude photos were taken between the hours of 1.30 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. of Travis and Arius in provocative and lewd positions. Together? Together, including in the shower, where Travis was ultimately found. So she went... Oh, my God. She went all the way down to Mesa, California, engaged in sex with Travis, was there for four hours while they were taking photos of each other, being you know, having sex or doing stuff. And some of the pictures that some of the last on the camera roll were of Travis in the shower where he was murdered. Like, pictures.
1: she literally took a photo of him, set the camera down, and then murdered him. Oh, my
0: God. Well, sort of. Okay, well. So just moments after the last photo of Travis alive... There were two more photographs taken, one of which, which seemed to be snapped as Jody dropped the camera out of her hands, because you can kind of see her-ish. You can see someone with dark hair, mm-hmm. and everything's really dimly lit. The second of which is Jodi's foot, her leggings clearly visible, with what appears to be a dead or dying Travis bleeding profusely on the ground.
1: She didn't mean to take that one?
0: No. What investigators assume is that she kicked it to move it out of the way, and it snapped a shot. Because there's no flash on. She wouldn't have known. Oh, my God. So one is, like, her of either dropping the camera or something, and she tried to catch it. And then another one is, like, after she kicked it.
1: I'm not trying to say, like, that's a good thing, but, like, how lucky. Like, that's so Seriously. damning.
0: It's damning. Like, oh you can't God. refuse. You can't argue that. Yeah, you can't argue that.
1: Jesus... And this dumb lady doesn't even know that that's there. Yeah. Or Either, she, she...
0: Yeah, she might have not noticed or did it really quickly or something, you know? Yeah, or just
1: deleted, like, everything at once without even looking through the photos. Yeah, like
0: yeah. A, de- a delete all or something. Yeah. 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 Absolutely incredible. <sighs> that's so wild. After 24 hours of being held in a jail cell, Jody was ready to talk. But would she give the truth? Oh, no. Dun-dun-dun. Jody claimed that yes, she did go visit Travis the day of June the 3rd, and while in his home, two intruders would come bursting in, threatening Jody and ultimately killing Travis.
1: You you just weren't going to mention that to like any of no. his friends or roommates or anything. For 5 to 6 days? No. You think that the roommates might have I don't know heard, heard. that people were brutally murdering someone and after breaking into their home? No. Okay. No.
0: no. Her explanation for not being harmed was that the intruder said, quote, she's not who we came here for, end quote. Oh my god, like a fucking movie. <laughs> it's a movie, yeah. You're not the one I'm here for. Oop. Sorry, I just knocked the fucking thing. <laughs> Police rejected this claim as there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that anyone else had perpetrated this crime and arrested Jody on first-degree murder charges July 9th, 2008, which is Jody's 28th birthday. He's like, hmm, the doggy door looks a little suspiciously pushed open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sucks on her birthday too but hey she fucking
1: did it
0: jeez during her trial jody changed her story again to include that she killed travis in self-defense
1: yeah okay so we're gonna believe you now that you lied to us twice and now you're gonna make up a
0: story about how it was self-defense well it was self-defense now i don't fucking believe you her defense team maintained that travis was emotionally mentally and physically abusive towards jody and that jody had no other choice but to kill travis to avoid further abuse.
1: How about all the character witnesses on his behalf? Right? Because there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Sure there is.
0: Prosecution argued that Travis would not have possibly been abusing Jody, especially as she lived many states away, and yeah. therefore was away from abuse. Defense argued that it's just how controlling Travis was. He forced Jody to make the trip, since she was still being brainwashed even states away.
1: Oh, whatever. Threatening
0: to expose her nude photographs and sully her reputation like she doesn't like she doesn't already do that
1: yeah just make the victim look like the bad guy yeah we love that
0: jody's defense even went so far to claim that travis was a pedophile oh and that jody was suffering from ptsd from all of the abuse i
1: can't fucking stand when i know that defense attorneys are just doing their job but i can't fucking stand when they use the, the victim. victim as the perpetrator like after death like they're not there to defend themselves for the pro- a reason
0: the prosecution agreed yeah jody does have a mental disorder but it's not ptsd instead their psychologist who evaluated jody said that she would likely qualify for having borderline personality disorder if that's anything what, that's what i was thinking absolutely and
1: also not to mention like if it was self-defense like why does she stab him 27 times and then cut his throat and then what else should she do shoot him shoot him yeah that self-defense. Okay.
0: Either way, what was absolutely clear was that on the second of June, Jody rented a car, and the following day, stopped by her ex-boyfriend's house. Remember, Daryl? Ruan? Oh no. She asked to borrow two gas cans. Daryl, assuming that he was just helping Jody out, obliged. Jody then took the fifteen-hour-long trip to Travis and Mesa, where Jody killed Travis after hours of intimacy. She then took the drive 10 hours up to Salt Lake City, where she visited and engaged in sexual activity with Ryan Burns, then drove back to Wairika another 11 hours. In total, she clocked 2,800 miles on the rental car.
1: So you're telling me that she drove 15 hours. She had 15 hours to reconsider. Yeah. From when she left Daryl's house to when she got to Travis. Mm-hmm. Not 15, I'm sorry, 19, because she was with Travis for four hours yeah. before she killed him. Mm-hmm. So she had almost an entire day yeah. to reconsider, if not months before, because who right. knows how long
0: she was planning this. And I think that it's because she found out that Travis and Mimi were going on a trip together.
1: Well, God forbid Mimi was there when she showed up, you know, like, who Who, who knows? She could have been a victim as well.
0: People had said that if a girl was with him, though, she wouldn't do it. She really? needed to get him alone. just because of who she was with that borderline personality disorder she wanted others to see good things about her that's true she meticulously planned this yeah she would not have been able to follow through if someone was with him jesus that's so so fucking scary took the two gas cans so she didn't have to fill up the car Oh,
1: I see. I was thinking she was going to try to, like, burn the place down no. or
0: something. She was... She, she just didn't want to have a paper trail or anything like that. Well, she
1: fucked up. She took all those photos.
0: Well, that's the thing. Is like... She lost all those voicemails. They say, uh, ultimately, she tried to commit the the perfect crime, but it was because it was committed by Jody Arias, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> why it wasn't the perfect crime. So dumb. <laughs> yes. So, the photos and all that other stuff. So, essentially, that's kind of what the defense said, too, to, to piggyback off your point that she had 19 hours to think about this, what changed? And so the defense had said it was because during these intimate moments when she was taking photos of Travis while he was in the shower that she accidentally dropped the camera. And that's where you see that one where it's kind of like an upward mm-hmm. angle, that that's where that snap was taken, and that Travis attacked her
1: like got mad at her. Got somewhere. mad at her
0: for dropping the camera. Okay, yeah, that's And that's really cool. what changed. But I agree with you. I yeah. think that she knew what she was going to do and because I mean she had planned it. You know, why borrow the gas cans or whatever? Yeah.
1: Well, also she probably she probably knew about his trip to Mexico somehow, some way, yeah. and she probably thought that maybe if he left for Mexico, then he was she was really going to lose him forever because he would spend this much much time with this woman, with you know, me, yeah. and or maybe fucking stay there longer or whatever you know yeah. that's what she was thinking
0: it was noted that when she returned the rental car the floor mats were missing and reddish brownish stains could be found on the driver's seat God. although police weren't able to collect any evidence because the car had been detailed after that mm. so this was just a witness yeah Arias decided to take the stand in her own defense <laughs> which is always a great idea always a great idea And in an emotionless display, she described how abusive Travis was to her, claiming that her position in the relationship was to satisfy Travis so that he would not commit indecent acts with children. What a hero.
1: I can't fucking deal with that shit.
0: At other times, she described what a beautiful relationship they had. So when you watch the tapes, it's almost like you can see there's this last bit of control that she has over Travis's narrative. And she's controlling about their relationship. It's just yeah. very, very gross. Travis's brother Stephen said about this, quote, her mission was basically to murder my brother again for a second time by destroying his reputation. End quote.
1: Damn, that's heavy. Right? But it's true. It is.
0: And so she's trying to just, I mean, he's not here to defend himself.
1: She's pretty much saying, like, well, even if I did kill him, like, he deserved to die because he was a piece of shit. Yeah that's so fucked up i can't even oh my god i can't even believe that have you ever seen you've seen dexter Mm -hmm. you know that one episode where the guy winds up dead and then the wife is like all distraught and she's like we took this photo on our honeymoon and quinn is like oh you want to take something of his like she's like really upset and, and deborah's like no like she she's fucking she did it yeah and quinn's like yeah i knew the whole time but i was just trying to like make her understand and deborah's like oh this is a really great photo uh did you get a chance to see it before you killed him? And it's, like, like yeah, it's literally, like, the same up. thing. Like, yeah. she's, like, acting like this distraught
0: woman. Right. Who someone came in and attacked, but her story doesn't fucking add up. It doesn't. It doesn't add up at all. But essentially by what Steven was saying, that she was, she's essentially re-victimizing the family all over again. Yeah, And absolutely. Travis, which is just, ugh, horrendous. Disgusting. Pissed me off. On May 7th, 2013, Jodi Ann Arias was found guilty on first-degree murder after 15 hours of deliberation. Wow. She was found eligible for the death penalty, as the crime was exceptionally brutal. Travis's cause of death was actually the slash to his throat, (gasps) meaning that the stabbing and the gunshot was overkill, like we had mentioned earlier.
1: I want to say that, like, if I can just, like, speculate, she stabbed him first, and then she slid his throat,
0: and then she shot him, I think. So, I think what, I don't know how she did it or how she got him in this position, um, essentially, they could tell that the gunshot was last because there was no blood from the mm-hmm, wound, yeah. it was done post mortem
1: yeah
0: I think from what they could tell is that when she slashed his throat, she got carotid and jugular, mm. and that's he bled out, and then I think she did that first, and then because all of his stab wounds were oh my wrist just cracked, <laughs> all of his stab wounds were in his back, oh so
1: I, didn't know that. I okay. think that
0: and if you see it, it's just a stand-up shower so yeah. if he had his back turned i don't know she could probably convince him to get him down on his behind knees
1: behind him or something behind him got it
0: got his yeah did his throat and then as maybe he fell forward she stabbed him That's in the back tr-
1: okay that makes me retract what i yeah. just said yeah and then
0: his uh gunshot wound was right uh, above the right eyebrow into um yeah and then but it's a downward angle and it almost exited his left cheek got it so but Should it was very deli- him? yeah or um depending if he slumped because the way that he slumped is essentially like okay stand up shower and stand in the shower but turn to your left and he's his back is slumped up against the right so what i'm thinking is that when he slumped he might have turned his head or something, yeah. at a certain angle, and that's how she was able or to Or she moved him. him. Or she something. moved him. Yeah. That's true. I mean, he didn't he have necessarily have to space. be in the shower. Well, there was blood him. all over the hallway and the bedroom. I wonder if he, you know, there was a, st- there was clearly a struggle, because yeah. um, if you look at his hands, and I don't want to get too, too graphic, but if you look at his hands, his hands have some defensive wounds on him, I want to say maybe four to five cuts, they look very erratic like it was in the moment that yeah. he was getting his throat slit it there wasn't him quick. trying to get you know i don't know it just yeah that's it's awful. just awful and so i think she placed him back into the yeah the, t- the shower okay. oh so that would make sense because of the f- the picture of her foot he's clearly laying down yeah in front of her it's awful ugh. i know so, yes. it's like ugh, just... exceptionally brutal crime Her first sentencing hearing ended in a mistrial, as jurors could not agree on life imprisonment or death. At Aries' retrial, the jury deadlocked, yet again, 11 to 1 for the death penalty. So one juror that hung on. This was after 26 hours over five days. Oh my god. So they super was not about it. They was. They was super not about (laughs) it. They super was not about it. They super was not about it. (laughs) (laughs) So the judge refused to declare a mistrial and renegotiated terms to either life without parole or life with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Yikes. On April 13th, Arius was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Arius has tried to appeal her conviction and even cites that the media frenzy is what caused, like, that was caused by the prosecution is grounds for a new trial whatever she's Spot like off. everybody was just talking about me so much she's so popular yes she has remained steadfast all the way up until 2020 which was one of the last appeals that she had is she, she- alive yeah she's alive Arius is now 43 well she will be 43 oh yeah because she just turned yeah because her birthday is july 9th so she just turned 43 She's worked in the Perryville, Arizona State Prison Library since 2018. She has been reprimanded at least once for being disrespectful to the staff, which, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. No word on if she is being treated for mental disorders at this time. Probably not. Although she has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Damn. In the years since the trials, the Jodi area support groups have gotten bigger and bigger. Oh, no. These groups believe that Jodi was a victim of domestic violence and ultimately had no choice but to kill her abuser. These groups have taken up donations in order to support Jodi Arias' uh, appellate fund in order to assist her in her desire to be freed from prison one day. Even Jodi herself has taken up painting and drawing, selling these pieces of work in an effort to raise money for her appellate fund. Our friend Travis, the Travis Alexander story, was written by Travis's friends Chris and Sky Hughes. Aww. The book details Travis's legacy and the unforeseen tragedy that befell him through the actions of Jody Arias. The book's description reads: quote, "They wrote this book to share to the world who Travis Victor Alexander was, the reality of what he endured, and the impact he continues to have on this world." Chris and Sky Hughes are able to offer an insight that few, if any, have into Travis's life and the evil that ultimately ended it. The world deserves to know the real Travis, and they hope that you will get to know him through this book. They hope that his loving demeanor, zest for life, passion for service, and ability to make people realize their divine potential jumps off the page and right into your heart. It was released in 2015.
1: Oh my god, I got the heaves like three times. You while did. I did, I saw you. It's like,
0: that's the Stody of Jody Arias. The Stody. The, sto- the, stody, stody the of Jody. Story. The Stody. The Stody of Jody. The Stody of Jody. God. The Story of Jody Arias. That was
1: a whirlwind. Honestly, like, you're so funny because you're like, you'll definitely know this case. I know the name. I did not know this case. I thought she was a serial killer. Oh, really? Like, as soon as I heard the name, I was like, oh, yeah, I think she's a serial killer. Like, yeah. I did not know. Yeah. But damn, that is a wild story. It is a wild story. like we story. say that every time we, we do a case, yeah. but shit. It was wild. wild. Ugh. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that. I know before we sat down to record, Mom was like, do you know who she's doing? And I was like, no. And she's like, oh. Like, she knew and everything. And I told her who I was doing next week, so.
0: I complained to Cliff, like, the entire time I was researching. I love it. (laughs) I was like, oh,
1: God, I hate her. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was a really great. Story the way that you told it. I mean, yeah. not the story itself, but thank you for bringing that.
0: For sure. Absolutely. And
1: thank you guys for joining us for another regular episode mm-hmm. of The DAK. We have another potential DAK live in the works that'll be coming out probably next month. We don't yeah. like to do those every month, but every couple of months. Every couple
0: months, yeah.
1: And then be looking forward to the Patreon bonus episode coming out. It'll be two days after this comes out,
0: mm-hmm. so that's really exciting. Yeah. And that one's fucking gnarly. Next, this whole month is just going to be like crazy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have been working our tails off to bring you guys all the content. And thank you guys so much for continuing to support us with the Patreon, but also on social media yeah. and via DMs and emails. And we just love you guys so much. Love you
0: guys. Uh, and hopefully by the time that we get to the convention, we will have another way for you guys to interact with us on social media. So oh, yeah. Absolutely. Very, very
1: excited. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Do you have anything else? Nope. That's it. Okay. We'll right. we see you guys later. Love, love you. Bye. bye.
0: There's chocolate and then there's Lint chocolate. Chocolate that has a silky smooth and velvety texture has been synonymous with the name Lint since its conception in 1845. Click the link in the show notes to receive free shipping with a $60 purchase. Be part of the Lent legacy and grab a bag of their world famous truffles today.